Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. We continue today with our study of the first book of Shmuel, that's Samuel 1. We are up to chapter 26. At the conclusion of the last chapter, 25, we um, learned that uh, we read, we learned of the, we had read of the story of David and Naval, the man who, um, as his wife Avigail said, as his name means disgusting he was a disgusting person he refused to give David and his men their due payment um, and he thus <clears throat> and his life was ended by God after he partied a little too much celebrating his uh, uh, shearing of his sheep uh, and in the end David took Avigail, his wife, for, for, uh, as, as, as a wife, um, his widow, Novel's widow. Now, at this point, David is still a fugitive. He is still um, uh, a nomad wandering in various areas of the <laughs> deserts and wilderness of the land of Israel. <coughs> and Shaul Saul is still out to get him. So, we read of another very, a story that has a lot of familiar um, pieces, a lot of things that happened in similar stories before now. It's kind of part of a pattern that we're already getting used to this pattern. Uh, it start, begins with Vayavo'u Hazifim, the Zephites, the uh, uh, group of people um, came, El Shaul to Saul. We learned of them several chapters ago as well. They They ratted out David before, and they're ratting him out again to Saul, Hagivata, to Giva, where Saul's um, seat of his government was. Lamar saying as follows, Hello, David mistater begivat ha David is hiding in the, uh, the high place, the hills of Chachila, al-penei ha-yishimon, which faces the Yishimon. Um, now, so this is a place, presumably this place is where the, one of the places where the Zephites, uh, resided so they knew where David was and they came to Saul to give away his whereabouts uh, hopefully to curry favor with the king Vayokam Shaul and Saul got up Vayered el Midbar Zif and he went down to Midbar Zif and he leaving his place Giva which was a elevated place leaving the place where David, where Saul's kingdom was based Giva which literally means high place um, was going down uh, so he went down towards Midbar Zif to the wilderness of Zif. And with him were 3,000 men, Bachure Israel, chosen men of Israel. These were top notch warriors. To find and search and find David in the wilderness of Zif. And Saul camped in the high place of Chachila, which is where the Zephites had said David was hiding. Asher al which was facing Yishimon al on the way while he's down there, he's heading down to look for David. V'david Yoshev Bamidbar, and David was at the time living in the wilderness. Vayarki Vosha Olach Rav Hamidbar, and he saw, he, maybe he had scouts, maybe he saw himself from the distance that Saul was coming after him uh, in the wilderness. Vayishlach David Miraglim, and David then sent. Uh, spies or scouts, and he know he so that he knew exactly when Saul arrived at the location which we mentioned before, 
the Givat HaChachilah. Vayakom David, and David then got up, Vayavoelamakom, and he came to the place. It's not clear at this point exactly what David was going to try to do. Um, one possibility he was coming to try to kill Saul, but we've already seen his behavior in similar situations that that was not his intent. Another possibility is to try to convince Saul to stop chasing him and that David has no uh, grudge against him and that David had never been trying to harm Saul at all, which is more likely, which is what David had done in previous opportunities and will do again this time in a similar pattern. So he came to the place where Saul was camped. And David saw the place where Saul had lied down. Presumably he had arrived after the journey and he lay down to rest. And Avner, the son of Ner, was his uh, military general, his chief. And Saul was resting in the Ma'agol, which is a circle, an encampment within which Saul should have been protected. And the nation was camped around him, presumably to protect the king who was inside the circle, inside the, um, the military camp. And David answered and said to Achimelech the Hittite, ben and to Avishai the son of Tsuruya, Achi Yoav, who was the brother of Yoav, who was Yoav ben Tsuruya, who was the head of David's um, armies, as we've seen before. Lamar saying as follows: Who's going to come with me to Saul to the camp? Avishai. So Avishai said, "Ani I will go down with you. I just want to take note here: Achimelech Hachiti, Achimelech the Hittite. So it's interesting to note that we have a Canaanite, uh, the Hittites were Canaanites, not an Israelite, here as one of the, the leaders within David's group. Uh, we also saw before Doeg Edomi, the Edomite, who was one of the heads of Saul's security detail. So we see that Canaanites were integrated within the uh, both uh, royal houses, uh, the current royal house of Saul and the future royal house of David. This, I think, harkens back and reminds us of what we emphasized in the book of Joshua, and that was is that of the people that were in Canaan, those that took the opportunity to join and support the Israelites as they uh, conquered the land um, were accepted and were not killed along with those who resisted and fought. So um, this is just, you know, seems to be obvious. Other, there are other explanations as to what this means, but I'm just saying what the simple, plain meaning of the verses is. That there were Canaanites who joined forces with the Israelites and presumably eventually assimilated into the people. Not just assimilated, but assimilated to high ranks. So David and Abishai came in during the night. And Saul was then sleeping at night. He was sleeping in the the circular encampment. And his spear, the famous spear that he used in previous attempts to kill David with, it was uh, it was um, stuck in the ground near his head. So uh, he slept with his weapon right next to him. 
until this day when soldiers sleep they sleep typically with their weapons uh, right next to them so the Avner via Amen Avner and the people they were sleeping around him so whoever was supposed to be standing guard wasn't doing a very good job Navishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand. He's right here. You have the spear right here. He's sleeping. Everyone else is asleep. I will strike him through with the spear into the ground, impale him into the ground. Just one shot. I won't even have to do it twice. Presumably because if he doesn't do it the first time, Saul will awaken, scream, help will come. So I can do it just once, quick, it'll be over. Think for a moment about what the situation would have been with the history of the people of Israel had David taken over the kingdom by killing Saul. I just uh, plant that thought in your mind and think about it. And let's read verse 9. Vayomer David al-Avishai. David said to Abishai, Al do not kill him, do not destroy him, do not commit any acts of violence against him. Who can send his hand against he who has been anointed by God and and walk away with clean hands? In other words, there may be justification for me to do it. Yes, it's true that Saul is after me to kill me. There may be justification. But when one kills the king, it doesn't just disappear. The rest of history remembers that I killed the king, and I don't want to be remembered that way. I don't want that to be the way I ascend to the leadership position that I'm destined to ascend to. Vayomer David, and David said this is verse 10, Chai Adonai, by God, by the, by, by the, by literally means uh, as God lives, it's just a way of swearing by God's name. Kiim Adonai Gafenu that only by God himself will he be struck down. O yomo yavo vames. Or his time will come, he'll get old and he'll die. O vamilchama, or he'll die at war. Yered v'nispa, he'll go down to battle and get get killed in battle. There's many ways God can take him down. Yigafenu, the first choice, seems like through illness. Or he'll just die of old age. Or he'll die in battle. There's plenty ways that Saul can die without me being responsible for killing him. Khalil Ali. God forbid, may Adonai, that I should do this. Adonai, that I should send my hand against God's anointed one. I do, though, want you to take the spear that is at his head, and the uh, jug of water that is at his head, presumably there for him to drink in case he would were to wake up during the night and be thirsty. And let's go. Similar to the story before, which we learned several chapters ago, when, when David met and Saul was uh, relieving himself in the cave, David just cut a piece of his cloak and walked away without taking the chance to kill him. David took the spear, and the jug of water that was at his head, and then they left. No one knew, no one saw, no no one woke up. They were all sleeping the uh, deep sleep of God had fallen upon them. This gives the sense that it was some kind of a miracle that the people were just asleep, deeply asleep, or the sleep of God. But or really, what this really means is tardemat Hashem, meaning it's just the deepest depths of sleep, the sleep, the slumber of God, meaning the deepest depths of sleep had fallen upon them. Vayavor David 
and David then passed over to um, the the passage to the other side, meaning to the place where his camp was. And he stood on the top of the mountain at a distance. With a large uh, amount of, of space, a distance between them, so that he can communicate, but be far enough that Saul could not reach him with his weapons. And then David called out to the people that were gathered with Saul, and to Avner, Bener, who was Saul's general, Lamar, saying as follows, Avner, Avner, are you going to answer me? And Avner then answered and said, Who are you calling out towards the king? Who exactly, who do you think you are? And who are you? And Avner. David said to Avner, Halo Ish Ata, you're a man, meaning you're a big guy, you're an important person. Umikamocha be Israel, who among you, who is among you, who is like you among the people of Israel? Why did you do such a terrible job uh, as a guard? Why did you not guard your master the king? A random person, just one person from the nation came. To destroy the king, your master. And you were slept on your watch duty. What kind of a general are you? This is not very good thing which you have just done. As God lives, you all deserve death for dereliction of duty. Because you did not guard your master, the anointed of God. Now go ahead, look. Where is the king's spear? And the water bowl that was lying at his head. So, I, you know, if you think I'm just, uh, you know, uh, full of hot air and I'm just uh, babbling now from, from a distance where I'm safe, look, we'll check out where the spear is and you'll see that I was right there in the middle of the camp and I could easily have killed your master Saul. Now Saul, who was listening, immediately recognized that this was the voice of David. Remember David, who he'd spent so many times listening to his, his song and so on. He hears the voice of David. Is this your voice, my son David? David And David said, This is my voice, my master the king. This, it's impossible not to think of the imagery. These words are so similar to the words uh, that Isaac said to, to Jacob uh, by when Jacob uh, dressed up as his brother, Esau, and he said, is this your voice, my son, Esau? And, and, um, and Jacob answered, uh, yes, this is your son. And this is very similar uh, language used here and it gives you the feeling, the image. There's two ways to understand Saul's reaction here and his reaction on numerous occasions where he encountered David. He was basically humiliated by David. And then he would make a promise, David, I'm not going to hurt you. And he seemed to repent from his anger and turn away from his wrath and, and his arrogance. And for a momentary, fleeting few moments, he seemed to recognize that, that David was not his enemy and that he should stop this assault on David. So one is to say that it's completely, one that Saul's reaction is completely and totally dishonest. And he's simply saying that because of the circumstances of the situation, because he doesn't have a choice. He was vulnerable and he can't get at David right now in these circumstances. 
So he promises David, come back, right? Another way of understanding is, is that deep in Saul's heart, there still remained a little bit of that love for the David who really helped make him successful to the extent that he was successful as a king. David helped him get there. Um, and, and, and he had a little bit of positive feeling, which was genuinely aroused for these few fleeting moments until he became, of course, angry again later. And that seems to be a repeating pattern. And I'm going to choose the second path here because it, the way the verses are written, it seems, it, it seems to be describing to us how Saul's heart was touched. First, he got slammed down. Yes, this was a reaction to the fact that he almost got killed. And he was humbled. Humiliated is a better word. But then, somewhere in his heart, that aroused this feeling of positivity towards David. Vayomer. And he said, This is David's response to, to Saul. Or in other words, Saul says, Is this you, my son, David, in such a loving words? Meanwhile, he has 3,000 soldiers about to kill him, or trying to. So David says, Why are you running after your servant? What have I done? And what evil have, have I committed with my hand? In other words, I have done nothing to you. Now, listen up, please, my master, the king. To the words of his servant, me, David. If it is God that convinced you against me, in other words, if this is a genuine feeling that is God meaning truth, in other words, you truly actually feel on your own. Remember, before David was suspicious, that there was some person feeding Saul false information, making Saul jealous and angry at him. Now David is thinking, well, maybe something else is happening here, right? Maybe somehow it is God, or maybe it's somehow coming genuinely from within your heart. If that's the case, yorach mincha, let God smell the scent of an offering. In other words, let's pray to him. Let's bring an offering to God, and then we'll see. Right, and if they are people doing that, then may those people be cursed before God. In other words, if it's not God that's convincing you, but it actually is people that's that's inciting you against me, then may they be cursed. Because they have driven me out. They have literally gershuni means they have divorced me. They have sent me out. They have knocked me, well, knocked me out is not a good word, they have driven me out today, so that I should not have my portion in God's inheritance. In other words, I'm a wanderer now. I'm a nomad. And they tell me, go, worship other gods. In other words, don't stay here in the court of the king who leads the people that worship God. Go out there. And, and worship other gods. This is a striking passage because what does this mean, go out and worship other gods? No one ever told David to worship other gods. This is the origin, uh, the Tal- Talmudic origin of the idea that one who leaves the land of Israel is as if he is worshiping other gods. Obviously, it doesn't mean he's guilty of worshiping other gods, but what it means here is... is, is um, is that in other nations, the other nations where David has had to seek uh, refuge, such as in the nation of the Philistines, he had to be subjugated under those that worshipped other gods besides God. David does not want 
to look to those people. And we'll see later he's going to have to look to the Philistines again for protection. David does not want to wander to other nations in order to get protection. He wants to stay here with the people of God, the people that are devoted to worshiping the one true God. And now do not allow my blood to be spilled on the ground. Me Adonai. Uh, opposite or away from the face of God. Don't kill me while I'm out here wandering as a nomad. Because what? The king of Israel left his palace with an army in order to simply find some little flea, right? I'm a nothing before he can, can, compared himself to a dead dog. Now he's comparing himself to just a flea. As if he was chasing after the uh, a, a bird, kind of bird that calls out in the mountains, you know, the, he's like someone. He hears a bird noise and he's chasing after it. What kind of business is that? Vayomer, um, uh, well, often the the kore is pronounced a partridge, which is a bird that uh, runs around and chirps in the mountains. Vayomer Shaol Chatasi. So Saul's reaction was, "I have sinned. I have done something wrong." Right, I have wronged you. I am in the wrong. Shuv David. Come back. In other words, I don't want you to be a nomad and wander around. Come back to my house. Come back to my palace. Come back and join me again, my son David. Kilo I will not do evil to you. Now remember, obviously David now he trusted him the first time he made that promise, but no longer because he tried to throw a spear at him, and then he promised he would be good, and then he went back and then he tried to throw a spear at him again. And David realized that his promises, even if when they're spoken, seem to be genuine, or maybe even they are genuine when they're spoken. Saul can't be trusted because he constantly gets angry and changes his mind and again tries to kill David. But now he promises once again a, a um, promise that will fall on deaf ears this time. The old story of the boy who cried wolf promised me too many times I'm not going to believe you because now you have made my life precious in your eyes today in other words you decided not to kill me you kept my life um, uh, and preserved my life when you had a chance to take it away because you treated it with with honor with with preciousness I have been stupid and I have made a huge mistake. Vayan David, and David answered Vayomer, and he said, Here is your spear. And one of the young men of, of serving Saul went, crossed over to David, and took the spear back. And God will, um, will repay to the man to every man, his his righteousness, his proper actions, and his trustworthiness. Because today, in other words, may my this time, who is the man, right? Who who acted righteously and acted in a trustworthy way? That was me. It was not you. So God will reward me. In other words, I am not going to be the one taking it. Here's your spear. Take it back. I'm not using this spear to take revenge against you, right? Rather, it is God who will decide who was the tzaddik, who was righteous, who was trustworthy. Um, because today, I did not 
uh, take revenge and I did not send my hand against in other words I did not act uh, violently against the the king who was anointed by God just like I raised your life in other words I valued your life and did not kill you today I've, in my eyes I made your life valuable I considered your life important I look to God that he will consider my life valuable. He will save me from everything. So if you try to kill me again, in other words, I'm not trusting your promise. I'm running. I'm out of here. But if you try to kill me again, I'm not worried because God is going to value my life in the same way that I valued yours. Blessed are you, my son David. Gam you are going to be successful and you will be able to prevail. You will prevail in the end. You will win this. In other words, Saul again recognized that David is going to eventually be king. David went on his way. And Saul returned back to his place because he could have asked his 3,000 men to take chase. He didn't do that. He went back. A very temporary fulfillment of his promise. And, and as we've seen before, every time he makes this promise, whether it's genuine or not, uh, however you look at it, the bottom line is clear that he makes the promise and then he violates the promise very quickly again. This concludes chapter 26. Thank you so much for studying it together with me. Looking forward to studying chapter 27 together and, of course, the rest of this wonderful book of Samuel.